So I'm going to tell you the name of the service today. The, the, the study we're going to take on the day is this phrase, your enemy is defeated. Your enemy is defeated. So I believe that God gives me every week a specific verse for us to look at as we study. And from that verse, everything we talk about flows from that one verse. So today, I want to start with that verse. Usually I wait towards somewhere in the middle of the end to bring that verse out in our study. But today I want to start with that verse and let it serve as a backdrop for everything we talk about and look at. And here is the verse. It's very short, but it's packed. It is packed with a lot of significant theology. It's got uh, a lot of direction for Christian living and has a wonderful point of focus for a victorious Christian life. And this is the verse. It's the end of the Bible. It's in the book of Revelation. It's chapter 12. It's verse 8. And this is what it says. The dragon fought, and so did his angels. But they were defeated. And there was no longer any room found for them in heaven. There's a lot of stuff in there to unpack, right? So let's start with a phrase, a question. Who is your enemy? Now, last week, I asked you to consider a different question. Who is your master? Now, we looked at the fact that everybody has a master. And I hope that all of you have Jesus as your master and you don't have sin as your master. Now, I know we all struggle with sin. We all have some area of our lives where we fall short. We need improvement. I am a sinner just like you. I fail. I fall. I have to apologize to people. I have to ask God for forgiveness. I have to ask him to restore me. And we all sin, except for this one guy. He said he has, never struggles with sin. I said, well, what do you mean? You don't struggle with sin. Everybody struggles with sin. There's some area of your life where you just, you fail, and you need to have improvement. You need to change. You, you, you constantly have this disappointment, this feeling that you've got to get it right, and you can't. I said, no, man, I don't struggle with sin. I don't struggle at all. I just get right in. So I think he missed the point of sin and the struggle. I had a conversation this week with a young man. He's trying to understand the role, the rules of the Bible play in the Christian life. And he's trapped. He's trapped in a life of bondage. But his bondage is to the law. He's been taught that his salvation is dependent on his obedience to the rules. He tries to obey the law of Moses. So I took scripture and I showed him in red and white, not black and white, in red and white. The words of Christ to give him the assurance that it's not about what goes into your mouth that defiles your heart. It's about what comes out of your mouth because it originates in your heart. And that's where you are defiled. Sometimes I find this what we are not taking in that makes us sinful. Sometimes it's what we're putting out to others that makes us sinful. So then I explained to him that pork was an acceptable type of food to eat. And I immediately went over to the stove and fried up some bacon and made him a BLT. No, I did not do that. But what a sad life to go through without being able to eat bacon. Isn't that just awful? And he's holding on to a tradition of man and not the word of God. So sometimes a person is better understood, uh, not by their friends and their associates. Sometimes a person is better understood by their enemies. You can look at them and see who opposes them. So who opposes you? Who is your enemy? Now, at the time when Jesus of Nazareth was alive on the earth as a man born of woman, and a person would begin to realize that he was a Christ, the Messiah, they would go to him and they would say, so, 
O Christ, our conquering king, when will you come and take care of these Romans and this empire that opposes us and oppresses our people? You are the conquering king Messiah, right? You have come to set us free. When are you going to straighten this place out? And Jesus would have to inform them he did not come to conquer the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was evil was not their enemy. The Roman Empire was a symptom of the struggle and the sin that they face. Jesus came to conquer sin and death. Those are the ultimate enemies of all humanity. So how can I defeat my enemy, not people? Now, this is a dark spiritual force that has a, a path into your life, and it pushes your buttons, and it keeps you in personal defeat. And I know that because it does me as well. So I'm glad you asked, and there's a great questions, and we looked at Scripture to find our answers. So why don't we pray today as we begin our look into this question. Please pray with me. Father God, I am so very grateful that you have brought us to today on this lovely day, this serene day, and you put everyone here for your purpose and your plan. Now, Father, please, help these words be your words and not mine. Help your spirit to move through me, to flow into everyone here, to our lives and our hearts and our souls, so that we can leave different people than we walked in. And may you be glorified in all we do this day. I ask you, Lord, to watch over everyone on this island, to keep them safe. Those families that are away from us, to watch over them. Those who travel to and from this island, grant them mercies of travel and safety so they can arrive and be reunited, whole, and safe with their families. And I ask this in the mighty name of our Savior Jesus to be done. Amen. So the dragon fought, and so did his angels, but they were defeated, and there was no longer any room found for them in heaven. So we as followers of Christ are constantly at odds with the desires of our flesh. We strive to relinquish our selfish nature. We try to exhibit self-control over our desires. We seek to put the needs of others ahead of our own. We try to imitate Jesus in our daily interactions with others. But we can't. That's our flesh. It's one of our enemies. The next enemy we have is the world. Now, the world is a system of thought and belief that encourages you to act and to live on your selfish desires, your fleshly desires. The world constantly is enticing you to turn away from the things of God. It's constantly taking you away from the ways of God to embrace your fleshly desires, to everything that runs counter to God and his kingdom and what God is asking you to do. The final enemy we have is the enemy of all people. This enemy of followers of Christ, this enemy of atheists, Buddhists, Hindus, it does not matter who you are. This is your enemy. The ultimate enemy behind the flesh and the world is the one who's manipulating everything that every person goes through to draw them in to defeat. It is that once glorious creature of light who is made to the full pattern of what a creator can be made, a person or thing be made when God is your direct creator. When you are maxed out, that creature was called Lucifer. And one day he chose to exalt himself above God. He declared he would be God, and he would sit on the throne of God. He would sit on the throne of the Most High. And he took a third of his fellow angels with him in the rebellion against God. And then subsequently there was a war in heaven. And today I want to encourage you in your daily walk by taking you right to the end to see for yourself that that one who comes against you 
who zaps you of your spiritual strength, who brings you to defeat, he has a death sentence. He has been declared defeated, and he is done. I know all of you are sitting here today saying that's great theory, Pastor, but it's a little bad in practice because I'm pretty sure Satan looks like he's alive and in this place and running the whole joint. So let me tell you a story. This week we gathered in this very space and we remembered what happened a year ago on this island and the islands around us with Hurricane Dorian. We may have failed to realize that there was also another remembrance that went on this past week. The Allied forces aboard the USS Missouri and the second war came to an end. I want to tell you a story about a Japanese soldier who fought in that war. His name is Hiro Onoda. He was 18 years old when he joined enlisted in the Imperial Army. One year before the attack of the Japanese on Pearl Harbor, Onoda became, a, he came from a long line, a long tradition of Japanese warriors dating back to the Samurais. He trained as a commander. He specialized in unconventional military tactics. He used sabotage, guerrilla warfare, uh, counterintelligence, propaganda. And just about a year before the war ended, Onada was sent to the Philippines. As the Allied forces advanced across all those islands in the Philippines, taking them one by one, defeating the Imperial Japanese Army, Onada saw the end of the war was near. So he found three fellow soldiers, and he ordered them to go into the jungle with him. And they were going to continue this war in the jungle, harassing the Allied forces. Lieutenant Ohira carried out this guerrilla warfare for the next 29 years. The Allied forces soon realized there was a Japanese guerrilla presence where they were living and working on this island of Lubang. And they dropped leaflets from the air in the jungle explaining that the war was over. Japan was defeated. The Japanese saw the soldiers, they saw those leaflets, they read them, and they concluded they were propaganda designed to draw them out, and Japan would never surrender. They continued to fight, harass, harm, farmers, citizens, police. One of the soldiers began to realize the war was over. There were no longer communications coming from the army to them to tell them what to do. He broke from his commander, and in 1950, he surrendered to the Philippine police. Almost half a decade after the war was officially over. News got back to Japan about these men in the jungle fighting. And on March 9th of 1974, the last fighting soldier of World War II emerged from the jungle and surrendered. He laid down his service rifle, 500 rounds of ammunition, a ceremonial sword, and a dagger, along with his flag. The war was over. The victory was won. The enemy was defeated. And the soldiers were still struggling in a worthless cause. Now, that story is true. It paints a picture for us today of how our enemy, our adversary, our great accuser, that old ancient red dragon, Satan, and his soldiers, how they operate today. So who is your enemy? And what is the goal of your enemy? The goal of your enemy is to rob, to kill, and to destroy everything about you. Jesus said in John 10, verses 10 through 12, A thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. 
Now, what does our hero, our rescuer, the one who saves you, your savior, what does Jesus have to say in the next half of this verse? He says this, I have come so that they may have life and have life to abundance. Not just getting by in life, not just making it, but life to the full. A life that in no way can be contained. It's overflowing. He goes on to say this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, he comes and he's not the shepherd. And since he's not the shepherd, when the wolf comes, he leaves the sheep, he runs away. The wolf comes and snatches and scatters those sheep. The wolves come out at night. It's uncanny how much our sinful cravings rise up when sun sets. And the wolf will catch us. He will snatch us. And he will scatter us. The enemy wants to rob you of your life and love, the love that God has planned for you, the things he wants you to attain, he wants to destroy. And that enemy wants to destroy your relationships. He wants to destroy all the people that you love. He wants to destroy, the ultimately, the relationship you have with God. He wants to destroy the place that God has made for you to live. The devil and his angels are out to destroy you and take you to the place that God has made for them, the lake of fire. Satan wants to kill everyone and everything that you value. And Satan knows this. Satan is defeated. He can read. He can read the Bible. He knows it better than any of us. His only hope is the sad satisfaction of watching the heart of God break every time one person that God has made and fashioned and planned out their days reject our Father and His love and His plans and His purposes for their lives. So who is your enemy? Now I know some of you may say this, well that's easy, that's Bob and Joe and Sue and Roy. No, 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 those are not your enemy. They're just manifestations of your enemy. You and they have the same enemy and face the same attacks, and you're just as much as a target as they are. So who is your enemy? Actually, we have three enemies. You and I face a three-pronged attack in our lives every day, and all day long, and even sometimes in your dreams while you sleep. The enemy comes. He will invade your dreams and he will pursue you there. So how does he attack you? It does it in three ways. It's this, the world, the flesh, and the devil himself. Ephesians chapter 2, in the beginning of the chapter, it says this, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. So what is the world? It's a way of thinking that the world values and it promotes as an operating system for everything that you choose to do. Listen to what this Greek word says, the original language in the Greek. It uses the word cosmos for the world. And here's what it means. World affairs. The aggregate things of the earth. Earthly things. The whole circle of earthly goods. Endowments and riches and advantages. Pleasures which, although hollow and fragile and frail and fleeting, they stir desire. And they seduce us from God. And they are obstacles in the cause of Christ. That is one of the enemies that followers of Christ combat every day, from moment by moment, by day by day. And it continues like this. 
in which you once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. There is a central enemy. We all face the devil himself. In writing to encourage the followers of Jesus in Ephesus, Paul uses an interesting phrase. He describes our adversary. Paul says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Now, I believe that statement has a lot more significance to us today, 2,000 years, than it did when it was written to the original audience. And I I wish I could drop this jewel in your lap today, but I can't. I just don't have time. What I would say this is the world around you is truly mostly hollow space. And it's just as empty as the promises Satan brings to you when he tries to pull you away in some desire. And if you were willing to tune in Tuesday night or visit us at Watch Hill and be a part of that Bible study, we will dive deeper into that idea and you will see the true nature of the world around you and how hollow it truly is. And I believe your strength and faith in the Bible and Christ will be, will be encouraged. Verse 3 of Ephesians 2. Some among you also once conducted yourselves by the lust of your flesh, fulfilling the desires of your flesh, of your mind, that were part of your nature as children of wrath, just as others do. Here we see that third component, that barrage that the enemy brings against us, the enemy, the flesh. Now, sadly, this part of the attack goes with you always because this part is inseparable from you because the flesh is the nature that you were born with and you will always battle that nature until your final breath. Who remembers the movie star Elizabeth Taylor? Some of you do, right? How many times was Elizabeth Taylor married? Eight. Eight. Three times Let me ask you this. What was a common denominator in all of Elizabeth Taylor's failed marriages? Elizabeth Taylor. It's in us. We're always going to be the common denominator in all our failures. We will be that common denominator. God calls us to live a life of restraint in which we are told to tame our natures. Now, some folks will say, I can't help myself. I was born this way. It's just how God made me. It's my nature. Now, I want to tell you today that is a lie. That is a lie and you're deceiving yourself. When you were born, you did not brush your teeth. You take action today. You brush your teeth. You clean yourself. I'm pretty sure all of you are potty trained, except for one exception. Now listen, I think we can all agree that properly functioning kidneys and a digestive system is a healthy, great thing to have. But we have tamed that part of our natures and we control it, right? So don't deceive yourself into thinking there's part of you that cannot be tamed or controlled. Here's what I would say. Oh, I love you. Here's what I would say. I have some bad news for you. You and I cannot contain and we cannot tame our natures. You cannot always control yourself. But I also have some better news for you. God can. In Micah 7.19, God says this. He will again have compassion on us. He will vanquish our iniquities. You will cast out our sins into the depths of the sea. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot. You will hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You will tread upon those iniquities underfoot. You will subdue those iniquities. You will conquer them. 
The question is this. Are you willing? Are you willing to ask God to help you control your iniquities, to control that nature that you cannot control? Are you willing to come to God and say, please, Lord, I cannot conquer this. I do not like the part of me that is part of me. I don't want it with me anymore, but I can't stop it. Will you please, God, help me? And I have a great word for you today. God says, if you will draw near to me, I will draw near to you. If you are willing to come to God with whatever that is and say, God, I can't do it, but you can, please help me. God will do it. Because I know you say never again, but you find yourself back in that place again. And you find yourself again going and saying, I'm sorry, and please forgive me. But today, today is your day. Today it can be different. Today you can say to God, I'm tired of living this way. Make me different. Change me. I don't want to be like that. You can say, God, conquer these parts of my life. You can say, God, take those sins and cast them into your sea of forgetfulness. Change my heart. You know, I like movies. I really do. I enjoy watching movies. And one of my favorite movies that I like to watch is Ocean's Eleven, which is not a very edifying movie. It's not. Don't, please don't watch that movie and try to imitate their behaviors. They're horrible people. But I like the story. It's a good, it's an entertaining story. Now, one of the things that at the start of Ocean's 12, the one that comes after Ocean's 11, Danny Ocean, the lead character, is living in this little tiny New England town. And one day he's visiting these little shops in the town. He goes to a jewelry store. He goes to a bank. And his wife gives him a call. And she catches him. Danny's casing the joint. He cannot escape his nature. His nature is a thief. He wants to rob banks. He wants to rob jewelry stores. And he can't control himself. It's in his nature. There may be something in your life that you have a natural tendency that you cannot control. Like a phone ringing. Yeah, yes, you did it again. So when you say that you were born this way, when you say you're choosing to stay, you're not really saying that. What you're really saying is I'm choosing to stay this way. Ask God to conquer that part of your life. Cry out to him, and he will respond. Now, Satan is our first enemy, and the evil that dwells in our hearts is the second enemy. And the third enemy is the cultural environment that we live in this world. Now, look what the Holy Spirit says in 1 John. In 1 John chapter 4, he says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits, whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now this is how you will know the Spirit of God. But pay attention. Okay, please. Here it is. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in flesh is not of God. And this, the denial that Jesus is Messiah God, is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already at work in the world around us. And you are of God, little children. He's talking to us. You have overcome them because he is greater than he who is in the world. Pay attention. Christ's followers, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. He continues in verse 5. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as the world. And the world hears them. 
we are of God, and we know God hears us, and he who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth, and we know the spirit of error. This is a gift to you. This is a gift to be able to distinguish between the voices that speak into your life. There, if there is a voice that you hear, and that could be a voice you hear in a movie, or in a book, or a television show, or your friends, or social media, or even a voice you hear in your heart, if that voice does not agree with this truth, that Jesus is of God, that he has come in the flesh, that voice is a deceiver. That voice is out to destroy you. Please beware. This is your test of identifying the world. The world brings us a spirit of error and not a spirit of truth. In Romans chapter 12, Paul says this in verse 2. Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, that when you learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The enemy we face is Satan. It's not your neighbor, despite what you might think or see. He attacks us from within and our own desires. He attacks us from without in the environment in which we live. And our only defense against this death, this demise, this destruction that Satan intends for us is the blood of Jesus. Friend, the only hope for us today is that Jesus, the risen Christ, he is the only way for you to overcome the world by putting your life into the one who overcame the world. When Jesus explained the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, he explained that the world, this place we live, this environment, it destroys the influence of truth. It chokes out the truth that Jesus, who he is. And if you allow our world and your flesh and our adversary, the devil, to choke out the hope that Jesus is planting in your heart today. I cannot promise you that there will be another day, another time, where the spirit of the living God will move so close to you, yearning for you and urging you to draw close, pleading for you to make today a pivot point in your life, asking you, please, to take a new step in a new direction, a new way of living. Just run. Run, run to the arms of Jesus. Your Savior is waiting there for you. You do not have to live a life of defeat. Jesus is offering you a new way, a new path, a new life. Let us pray. Father God, we are so very grateful for your love for us, for your mercy for us that you call out to us over and over again, that you reach out to us through our lives and circumstances and people. And God, I ask you today, for any who have been touched today by what has been said, that if you have moved in their heart, Lord, and they feel that you've asked them to move in a new direction, to take today as a new point, a pivot, a new direction, a new path, that you would ask them to do that right, right now, that you would ask them just to, to signify that in their hearts, just to raise their hands as, as they're reaching out to you, that you would say, God, give me a new path. God, give me a new direction. God, I want a new way of living. Lord, we're grateful for a new opportunity and a new path. I ask you, Lord, to embolden us and encourage us today as we go through this week. 
to recognize our enemy when he approaches us, when he's enticing us, when he's trying to push our buttons. And God, help us to turn to you and claim those words that you said, I will conquer your iniquities. Lord, let us live in that today as we go forward. I ask it to be done in the mighty and precious and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.